I, for one, am so thankful for the privilege to share the Word tonight. And I pray that the Word that I share will impact your hearts and cause you to be a better Christian and move forward in the things of God. Thanksgiving reminds me of a little story I heard about a little country boy who found himself at the table on Thanksgiving Day uh, just about eye level with that great big Tom turkey. And he was fascinated with that turkey. And so as the family went around and uh, shared things that they were thankful for, some said thankful for family, friends, and husband and wife. And as that was happening, um, he was thinking about that turkey. Just yesterday, it was strutting around the barnyard like king of the mountain. And then he saw his dad chop the head off of that turkey. And then his mom dipped it in scalding water. And she pulled the feathers out of that turkey. And then they disemboweled that turkey. And they cut the feet off. And later on, they stuffed it full of stuffings and put it in the oven. And he, he was just so taken up with all the things that had happened in the past 24 hours with that turkey. So when it came time for him to tell the family what he was thankful for. He was so engrossed that turkey, and he said, I'm thankful I'm not a turkey. <laughs> we have a lot to be thankful for today, and what I want to share with you tonight is on the subject, thankfulness unto wholeness, and I'm reading from Luke 17, 11 through 19. Luke 17, 11 through 19, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, Jesus that is, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And, they came, and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Say cleansed. Cleansed. Okay. As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorifying God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, where, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. I want to give two quick takeaways, and then I've got several points that I want to share on the word of thankfulness. One takeaway is that there are levels of grace. There are levels of grace that the Christian experiences. The story is told about these ten lepers who were standing afar off, the Bible says, because they were ostracized from the community. Leprosy started with a small a blotch on the skin, a whitening of the skin. It proceeds uh, to, a, to open sores, and because it's a bacterial disease, uh, uh, the, the bacteria 
uh, plus the infection begins to eat off the extremities uh, of the ears and the nose and the hands. It's an ugly thing to even think about. But that, that leprosy uh, that started off small um, would grow uh, and eventually eat off the extremities. And so they, because it's a very contagious disease, they were ostracized from the community. The Bible says they called out to God, and Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priests. And, that, and as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, they would show themselves to the priests. And, and I can imagine when they discovered uh, that the skin had returned to normal. Um, the open sores had healed. Um, and, 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 and the bacteria what was, uh, was banished um, and it was cleansed from their body. Um, they were so excited because now they could show themselves to the priest and he would pronounce them clean um, and they could go back to their families and go back to their social life um, in the village. Um, and they were so excited about that um, that they moved out to do that um, and, and there was one leper, one leper who turned, the Bible says, to give thanks. He was excited as well. He had a lot of things to do at home as well. But he made a decision to turn around and to go and worship Jesus. The Bible says he thanked him with a loud voice and he fell down and worshiped the Lord. He put everything he had into thanking the Lord. And in turn, Jesus said, you are made whole. Now there's a difference between wholeness and being cleansed. The former lepers, the nine lepers, they were cleansed but they still had some missing digits. They had that consequences of the disease. Wholeness, according to Vine's dictionary of New Testament words, means saving from disease and its effects. Saving from disease and its effects. So one leper was made whole. His digits looked just like ours. But the other leper settled for a lesser degree of blessing and grace. There's a powerful lesson here. Because Jesus said, where are the nine? You see, Jesus had wholeness for all of them. He was disappointed that they chose other things rather than come back and be thankful to him. He had wholeness for them, but they made a decision not to come and worship and thank Jesus, and therefore they forfeited that level of grace, that blessing of wholeness, if you please. There's a powerful lesson here. Why do some Christians live on a low plane of living? Why? They're good people, and they love the Lord, but because they don't go all out for God, and they don't thank and worship God with all of their hearts, and they pass up opportunity after opportunity to do things for God. They live, they just kind of bump along, and they're good people, and they're wonderful people, but they never do a whole lot for God. And then there's the other person that on a scale from 9 to 10, maybe they're at 8 or 9. And they are the ones that make those right decisions in terms of 
of choosing the spiritual, in terms of worshiping God, in terms of reading the Word of God, in terms of developing a disciplined prayer life, in terms of being a soul winner, in terms of paying their tithes and being an active part of a powerful church. And so there in 8 and 9, they have a level of blessing, if you please, because of the choices that they make. Someone said you make the choices, and then the choices make you. And all of life is the result of sowing and reaping. You sow the right choices. You make the right choices. You do the right things that are in obedience to God. That Christian that's an eight or a nine, they're like the people in Deuteronomy 28. You remember all the list of blessings in the first 14 verses. The Bible says if you're obedient in that Scripture, Deuteronomy 1 and 2. Then all of these blessings will overtake you. Someone said you can't run fast enough for the, to miss the blessings. They'll overtake you. And you'll be blessed in the field and blessed in the storehouse and blessed in your cattle and blessed in your family because of right choices. Number one, there are levels of grace. And God wants to bless us optimally. God wants to bless us powerfully. But many times, as Jesus expressed, where are the nine? We don't show up to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added unto us. Second takeaway is that God is still in the creation business. God is still in the creation business. I want you to know creation didn't stop in Genesis, if you please. The Bible says, for 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature, some Bible translations say a new species, something that never was before. And the Word of God says, all things pass away, and behold, all things become new. A new creature, if you please. Someone said man can put a, 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 a new suit on a man, but only God can put a new man in the suit. Our first trip to... Uh, Germany, uh, her faith venture was in 1970. And just a few months ago, we went to Florida to visit my brother and to do several other things. Among them uh, was to visit a man, our first convert uh, in 1970, uh, that we were able to lead to the Lord. We hadn't seen him in 40-some-odd years. Otis Holman was a crusty old army sergeant, and he was an alcoholic, and he didn't know God, and he abused his family. We quickly met his wife the first few days we were there in Germany, and she said, please pray for Otis. It's not going well in our family, and she told me some of the things that were happening, and my wife and I, we prayed earnestly for Otis. Well, next few days, uh, there was a special meeting going on, and uh, she found out a way to get Otis in the meeting. She was doing a little scheming and dreaming, and she said, she said, uh, you know, we need a driver. Um, there's some people that don't have transportation. Would you, would you drive for, and, and he acquiesced to that. Um, and so, as at the end of the meeting, um, uh, the altar call was given, and I turned around, and I said, Otis, would you like for me to go with you to the altar? Um, 
He said, I sure would. I tell you, I was so surprised. He came, we came down to the altar, knelt down, and I put my arm around him, and I led him to the Lord. And he bawled his way through to Jesus. This man was saved. I want to tell you something. He got an experience with God at that old-fashioned altar. And so the next few days, he would come down in the evening and work with me in the coffee shop. We were building a coffee shop, brand new, and it was it turned out really beautiful. And we used that coffee shop for many years. We had hundreds of people come to the Lord in that coffee coffee shop. But this was just the, the, the beginnings. And so when he would come down and he'd work with me and every once in a while he would let out a string of cuss words that was just over the top. And then he'd say, you know, I have been in the Navy for three years. Before that, I worked in the uranium mines in, in, in Colorado. And I've heard some nasty language. But I want to tell you something. This guy him. He could put it out there. And then he'd say, oh, Reverend, he said, Reverend, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I said, well, let's pray about it. And I put my arm around him and I said, Jesus, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you, Lord, that you're so good and you've saved my friend Otison. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. And so that lasted for a little while and then came out another string of cuss words. I prayed for him again. And then I taught him to pray for himself. I said, Otis, you pray this time. And I'll tell you what, in two weeks, in two weeks, God cleaned up his mouth completely. Yeah. He was no longer an alcoholic. He put aside the stogies. And he was a new creature in Christ. And so when we visited him after 40 some odd years went by, uh, and he went on, let me say this, he went on to, to go to, to Bible college. And then he went into ministry. And 40 some odd years later, we're visiting him in Florida. And uh, we're talking about old times and we're talking about how the things of God and then we had a powerful prayer meeting with him and then he found out where we lived that we lived in, in Magnolia Texas and he said I have a daughter real close to you and so we invited Monica to come over and, and as she sat there at our dining room table we began to fill in some of the blanks she, she was just six years old when her father was saved and became a a new creature in Christ. And we filled in some of the blanks because she knew firsthand the abuse. She knew the terrible things that were going on and was, uh, and was a victim of these things. But then she saw how her daddy changed and became a new creature in Christ. She sat there and bawled. Tears came down her face. Tears of joy because she heard about her daddy, how that had happened that he became a new creature in Christ. Number one, uh, uh, the God is, is still in the creation business, uh, not only spiritually, but also physically, if you please. Um, the Bible says um, that the leper was made whole. Um, he experienced a creative miracle. Um, my father-in-law, Cheryl's father, um, suffered a terrible head injury during World War II. Um, they sent him home 
to die. His left side, his right side became one-third smaller than his left side. He was confined to a wheelchair. He was literally withering away. And one day he heard about a meeting, a convention that was going to happen a short distance from him. His family brought him there. They wheeled him up on the front row. And while the people were praising and worshiping God, the power of God was so mighty there um, uh, that Wall Sprague, um, a, a big, a physically big man, um, came down from the platform um, and he took Paul Sturgeon, uh, Cheryl's father, my father-in-law, and he lifted him up uh, like you would lift up a baby from that wheelchair. Uh, he carried him on the platform um, and he said, and this is all documented, he carried him on the platform um, and he said uh, to 3,000 ministers and their wives, um, a great crowd um, who believe God for mighty things, um, he said, do you believe uh, that God can heal Paul Sturgeon. They stood up and a mighty roar went out as they thanked and praised God. And, and, and they laid hands on him and anointed him with oil. And as they prayed, there, there was a recreative miracle that happened within him. His right side all of a sudden became normalized, like you'd blow up a balloon. It became normalized. God did a creative miracle on him. He jumped out of the arms of Wall Sprague, and he began running back and forth on the platform. Well, you can imagine, there was pandemonium in that crowd. And outside, there was a ring, a cloud, a glory cloud outside of this building. And then people from the outside, they heard all the noise inside, the pandemonium going on. They saw what they thought was smoke on the outside. They called the fire department only to discover that it was the fire of God that was in that place. A mighty recreative miracle happened at that time. Paul Sturgeon went on to be a powerful evangelist for many, many years. He's with the Lord now. But he had a recreative miracle all at once, if you please. I want to share now four facets of thanksgiving. Four facets of thanksgiving, and then we're going to Practice a little Thanksgiving, okay? Thanksgiving is God's will for us. First Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God's will for us is to in everything give thanks. Some people say, I want to know God's will. We can start right there. Give thanks. Be a thankful person. I tell my wife every now and then, I want to be God's most thankful child. I want to be right up there. I want to wake up in the morning thanking God. I want to go through the day thanking God and praising God. And so it's God's will for us to be thankful. Why? Why? Well, because you see, Thanksgiving performs to, throw, to build an avenue back of God's blessing into our lives. When we are thankful for what we have, we'll have more to be thankful for. It's just a revolving door in which God can give us more. It's like the nine lepers. God wanted to bless them up 
optimally and wanted to bless them with a creative miracle because Thanksgiving forms an avenue of blessing back into our lives. It's, it's, it's like we teach our children. One of, the, one of the first things that we teach our children is to say thank you. This little toddler, he is just learning to talk. But one of the first things that we do is say Oh, look, and in my case, uh, our firstborn was little Ricky. <laughs> little Ricky's 51 years old now. <laughs> but anyway, little Ricky, uh, we say, Ricky, what do you say? Thank you. I didn't hear it. Come on, come on. What do you say? Thank you. What do you? I didn't hear a thank you. You forgot that. Thank you is so important. Why? Because it is a, 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 an avenue of success. We know that if we teach our children to be in attitudes of gratitude, we know if we teach our children to say thank you, it will go a long way to make them a success in their lives. Our son has been a missionary for 27 years to Germany. He's married a beautiful wife who stays with him in ministry, powerful ministry together. He's got two beautiful daughters that are now in college. You know, the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich is connected connected to our thanksgiving unto God, if you please. So thanksgiving is God's will for us. Number two, thanksgiving is a discipline. First Thessalonians 5.18, the same scripture, but now in the Amplified says, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the circumstances are, in everything give thanks. Develop an attitude of gratitude. It's a discipline, if you please. No matter how bad the circumstances may be. I heard a little story about a country preacher in North Dakota. It was the middle of the wintertime. And this country preacher always started off his service with Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for a good cattle run. Thank you, Lord, um, that you're providing for so-and-so. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. And he always started off with a thanksgiving unto the Lord. Um, well, on this particular Sunday, the story goes um, that he, uh, that, that there was no one there except two people. Um, and they were uh, bundled up. In, the place was impossible to heat. It was cold. Um, and uh, there was no no choir, there was no organ player, there was no ushers, just two cold people right there in front of him. And one of them leaned over and said, I wonder what he's going to be thankful for now. And so the preacher got up there, and true to his style and his discipline of thanksgiving, he said, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I am so grateful. Lord, I thank you that it's never been this bad before. <laughs> we can always find something to be thankful for, if you please. Matthew, Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator, said, uh, uh, was robbed one morning. Uh, he was robbed one morning. Uh, that evening, he wrote in his diary, let me be thankful First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because they took my wallet and not my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not very much. And fourth, because it was not I who robbed, but it, it was it, it, because it was I who was robbed and not who did 
the robbing. We can always find something to be thankful for. The Bible says in every circumstance, you see, it's a discipline regardless of what we're going through, and we're always going through something. We don't live in a vacuum. We're always going through something. We should find something to be thankful for. We should have an attitude of gratitude. The Bible, and I'm going to take one Old Testament example and one New Testament. In Jonah, we all know the story of Jonah. Because of his disobedience, he ended up in the belly of the whale. And the Bible says, after being there for three days, the Bible says in Jonah 2.9, Jonah said, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. The very next verse, it says that the whale threw him up on the beach. I like to think the whale catapulted him up on the beach because he had an attitude of thanksgiving even in the belly of the whale. It became a game changer, if you please. In the New Testament, Acts 16, 25, we know the story of Paul and Silas. After they were beaten, the Bible says at midnight they sang praises unto God. And God answered by shaking that prison and loosing them and doing a powerful miracle, if you please. You see, when we have the discipline of thanksgiving, when things aren't going well, we thank the Lord anyway. We thank Him for what He is going to do. We thank Him for what He has done. We thank Him for who He is. And we continue to thank Him and have an attitude. Psalm 22, verse number 3 says, God dwells, inhabits the praises of His people. God inhabits the praises of His people. There's, now, we know that God is everywhere. There's nowhere where God isn't. But I believe that when we praise God and we thank God, whether it's alone or corporately, when we praise the Lord, there is the concentrated presence of God that comes into our situation, that comes into our lives, that moves powerfully because God inhabits the praises of His people. Thirdly, Thanksgiving acknowledges God to be the source of all blessing. James 1, 17 said, Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. It all comes from God, and when we thank Him, we acknowledge this. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all my sins. He healed all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. D.L. Moody, that wonderful evangelist, American evangelist of 150 years ago, said you can't remember all the blessings of God, but don't forget them all either. And so we remember those blessings, and therefore we're blessed. Psalm 69, verse 30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify Him with thanksgiving. I will magnify. You want to make God big in your life? 
instead of the problems, um, instead of all the mundane things of life that take up so much of our lives um, and in a, a disproportionate amount of our life. You want to make God magnify the Lord um, with thanksgiving. I have a magnifying glass here. It doesn't change, obviously, the size of the print, um, but perspectively, um, it changes uh, that uh, the perspective that I have uh, of the size of the print. Um, and it's that way with God. Um, when you magnify God, um, God gets bigger in your life. Um, God gets more important in your life. Um, God does more great things in your life, if you please. Um, and then thanksgiving must be expressed. I want the worship team to come, would you please? Um, and what we're going to do tonight um, we're, is we're going to practice what I preach, okay? Um, now, how many of you um, have been healed, uh, uh, supernaturally healed? You've had a, a testimony of healing. Stand up, would you please? Real quick. How many of you um, have had an answer to prayer in your family? Um, you prayed for someone in your family. The race relationship came together. They got saved. Stand up, would you please? Um, how many of you uh, uh, have, have been uh, born again, saved by the power of God? Stand up. Come on. Stand up. All right. Um, how many of you have something in your life to be thankful for? Just something in your life. Uh, this is 100%. You got something in your life to be thankful for. Amen. And we want to, <laughs> amen, praise the Lord. Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Everybody say, say so. Come on, say so. <laughs> Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of of the enemy. I have a list of things to be thankful for. Uh, I believe it's coming on the screen. Okay. Um, a list of things to be thankful for. Um, and I, I want you to do something tonight. Like, I want you to say so. Okay. Just say so. You know, uh, a pastor does this so good. Um, I love it when he does it. Uh, he says, uh, I want you to what? Open your mouth. You remember that? Okay. He's had done it several times since I'm here. Open your mouth. Sometimes we're afraid of our voice. But I want the musicians to play. And I want you to turn up the volume a little bit so that everybody will be able to open their mouth and start praising God and start thanking God. I've listed a few things, just suggestions, by no means an exhaustive list. But I want you to think about what you're going to be praising about. I want you to get ready. And as they play tonight, I want you to open your mouth and start thanking God. Thanksgiving needs to be expressed. It needs to be part of our expression to God. Thankfulness, an attitude of gratitude. And then God will find a way to bless you in return. God will find a way to do a constructive miracle, create a miracle in your life. God will find a way to move in a situation that seems impossible as you praise God. I want you, if you feel comfortable, just to raise your hands. 
And I want you to start thanking God as the musicians play. And let the Holy Spirit then just move in powerful ways in your life. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you died on the cross for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that God's love endures forever. I thank you, Lord, for my precious wife. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of prayer. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Oh, God, that you're doing powerful things in people's lives right now, Lord, as we raise a voice of praise unto you. As we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your kindness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you're faithful, O oh God, to a thousand generations. We thank you, O oh God, that you said no good thing will you uh, will you withhold from them that walk uprightly. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Raise your voice and let's begin to thank God as we praise Him and worship Him today, and that'll form an avenue of blessing back in your life. Thank you, God, that you are faithful that your mercy is everlasting. Thank you, God, for the grace that you give to us and the Holy Spirit that you give to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for prayer and that we can know that you hear and answer prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the very breath that we're breathing right now because it comes from you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're doing mighty things in every heart and every life. Thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're going to do for those situations and families here tonight for those people oh God that have been praying for healing those oh God that are up against it financially thank you for what you're going to do Lord we praise you Lord Jesus and thank you Father we are so grateful we are so grateful for all that you're doing oh God and we thank you Lord for that level of grace and mercy and power that you're going to do in our lives in Jesus' name. Let's continue to worship the Lord as our worship continues.